0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place now if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk you can always listen to download and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website richardellistalks.com so with today's talk
1: here's richard ellis the title today's message is anyway turn to genesis chapter 12. i think i'm going to be able to go left to right today so Genesis chapter 12, Now I'm going to take a few characters, and I don't use that word loosely, a few characters in the scripture and try to make our point today. Let's go to Genesis 12 verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, and his name had not been changed to Abraham, the guttural sound ham, Abraham, is where part of God's name is interjected into Abraham, but here it's just Abram at this point. His wife's name was Sarai, not Sarah. Anyhow, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And then look what he says to him. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now this is a huge thing to say to somebody. Now go down to verse 10. Now this is within seven verses, okay? This is how fast things can get crazy. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. You're hot, sweetie. That's another translation. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Now look what he asked his wife. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. And I won't get off into what he's trying to do here. But basically he says, I'm not going to introduce you as my wife. I'm going to introduce you as my sister. And then we'll all be okay. Within a few verses, this guy who God has spoken to these amazing things is just can't go with it. Can't do the right thing. And if you keep reading about Abram or Abraham, it's unbelievable what God does. He picks him and if you keep reading through his life, he makes mistakes along the way, but you know what? God used him anyway. Go to Genesis chapter 25, verse 19. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife, Rebekah, because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. She had twins, and literally in her womb, they're fighting, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. She's like, I got two babies inside of me going at it. And if everything is okay, why are they going at it in my womb? So she goes and talks to the Lord, verse 23. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. That explains it two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So they're twins, the older shall serve the younger. So literally, whichever one of these two can fight to get out first ends up second, right? And everybody out there says, you know, life doesn't start till birth, explain this to me. Two nations are alive in this woman's body. And God is already speaking of them as though they are human beings and represent two nations. So the first one in verse 25 came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. After that, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of even coming out Esau's heel. He got grabbed on the heel by Jacob. Usurper is what his name can mean. And literally coming out, he's still trying to hold him in jump down to verse 27. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I'm weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day, even as young men still conniving here jacob is and he says sell me your birthright and esau said look i'm about to die so what is this birthright to me it doesn't matter i feel like i'm about to die just give me some food sure i'll sell it to you then jacob said swear to me as of this day so he swore to him and sold his birthright to jacob and jacob gave esau bread and stew of lentils then he ate and drank arose and went his way thus esau despised his birthright just gave it away go to genesis 27 and let's jump in here. The scenario here is that Isaac is about to die and he's about to give his blessing on one of these two boys and whichever boy gets the blessing is the guy, the next guy. So Rebecca, and she's a conniver here in this story. She hears that Isaac is about to give this blessing. So Isaac says to the older brother Esau, go hunt. I love to eat what you bring back your game. So you got game, bring it back. You know, that's where you get that phrase in the Bible. So sends him out, get some game, cook it, you know, kind of a last meal and you bring the meal and I'll bless you. So Rebekah hears that this is going down. Verse five, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son saying, indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them them for your father such as he loves, then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and he may bless you before his death. Quick, let's kill some goats and get back to dad before Esau does from his hunt. And Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, look, Esau's my brother, he's a hairy man, I'm a smooth-skinned man. He didn't say no, he just says, how are we going to pull this off, mom? Perhaps my father will feel me and shall seem to be a deceiver to him and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. And then look at this. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go get them for me. I don't care what the consequence is. The deals we make. And you know what? He uses them anyway. Now, the longer I live personally, my own junk, and the more time I spend talking to people, I'm like, you know what, God, this is getting hard and hard to find somebody you're going to use down here, because this is a mess. I mean, in a matter of seven days, think of how much trouble we can get in between just coming and gathering as a church. And some of us, within the next 12 to 24 hours, who knows what will happen? No matter how hard we're trying to do the right thing, we could be completely upside down. And yet he comes back and says, I'm going to use you anyway. Keep reading along in here, Genesis 27. Maybe let's go to Genesis 32. Now, this same Jacob, he ended up getting that blessing. Esau came back in, freaked out. Dad, it wasn't me, it was my brother. He says, Please bless me. It was chaos at the end. And Esau was so angry that Jacob had to literally flee the country, he had to get away from his brother. He's afraid he's going to kill him. So then it turns out years later, he was able to go back and have an encounter with his brother right before this happened. Genesis chapter 32 verse 24, let's jump in there. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, being Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now remember, he's been in this situation before. This kid is after blessings and he wrestles here literally with an angel and says, I'm not leaving, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. So he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Where does God pick these people? Where does he find us? This kid's a disaster from the womb. He is a problem child. And yet even in the midway point in his life, he literally gets a name change To Israel, pretty big name, and ends up having twelve kids, and those twelve kids become the twelve tribes of Israel. This is how God works. Now, I'm not trying to let us off the hook here. Grace is an amazing thing. The same stories I'm reading, and I'm gonna give you some more. You say, Yeah, well, see there, God uses anyway, doesn't matter what you do. You have to go back and read all the verses and see there is consequence do not leave out consequence. Grace does not always erase consequence. And consequence can be very painful. God couldn't possibly use me. Let me tell you something. He's in the business of picking people just like you and me and using us anyway. All right, go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and let's jump in in verse 1. So a little boy named Moses has been born. I won't get into all the story about Moses, but his life was preserved. He is adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He's raised in the Pharaoh's house and lives in Egypt for 40 years. And then one day he sees two Hebrew guys struggling and he ends up killing one of them and burying him and thinking it's gone. Ever done something, buried it and thought it was gone? That's what Moses did. He was seen by someone doing it, got accused, had to flee the country. He's out in the wilderness, ends up for 40 years out in the wilderness, and then the last 40 years of his life, leading the people out of the wilderness. But here in Exodus three, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, I can't do it like the movie, but anyhow, it's more like Moses, something like that, so. God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And we've mentioned these guys already. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And then he keeps on going down to verse 10 Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then the story goes on. You say, but yeah, but Moses was some big guy. You know what? He was running from the Egyptians because he had killed someone and he's out here and God picks him anyway. And you keep reading this story, he had all kinds of excuses. Well, I'm not articulate and I don't speak well. And you know, you can't possibly mean me. You know what, enough already of our excuses. The collective spiritual potential in just a room like this, if we would get past our pasts and just let God use us anyway, there's no telling what could happen. You say, well, I'm afraid if I went to serve God, someone would bring up my past. Well, then you bring it up first. And use it as part of your testimony. That's your story. You use it. Don't let them use it on you. Then it's out there. I once was lost, now I'm found. I once was blind, now I see. I was a prostitute, I'm not anymore. I was a stripper, I'm not anymore. I did drugs, I don't anymore. Okay, so what? That's my past. I got a present and a future. So let's talk about that. Because God chose to use me anyway. It's not just a bunch of people in the Bible. We got our junk. And God says, you know what? I picked you. And this is a strange concept, and I'm not going to go there today, but you got picked on God's team. He said, but I'm a sorry player. You know what? He knew that when he picked you, but he picked you. And you say, God, but I'm not strong. I can't be on the line. I can't do this. Whatever your excuses are. He says, you know what? Why don't we just stop arguing about why you can't, and you just get used to the fact that I'm going to use you anyway. So show up. Trust me, obey me, let me decide where the power comes from. Let me decide how I'm gonna get what I wanna get done through you. Just let me do it anyway. Matthew chapter 10, New Testament, Matthew 10. Verse 1, and when he had called his 12, this is talking about Jesus, he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and then he lists the rest of them. The first one that gets mentioned is who? Peter. He's crazy. (laughs) You don't pick a Peter. He's nuts. He's impulsive, he's gonna get you in trouble, he's gonna get him in trouble. And after three years with Jesus, he is still out by a fire going, never saw him, cussing, and, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know the man. Completely denying. After living with Jesus for three years, having all this power, all this experience, and Jesus dies on the cross, is buried, raised from the dead, and goes looking for Peter. Peter's gone fishing. You know what, let Peter be a fisherman, he's a disaster. Goes finds him anyway. Cooks him some breakfast. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Three times, do you love me? And Peter's finally like, Lord, you know I love you. Just, you know what? Just making sure. And then gives him the keys to the whole deal. Whatever you loose, you loose. Whatever you lock, you lock. You got it. And by the way, that has nothing to do with popeness. He had given him authority. Now. If you've been crucified, buried, and raised from the dead, and you got a set of keys, you better be paying attention who you're giving your keys to. Peter does not seem like the most stable. Give them to Matthew or somebody at least got an accounting background, you know, something. (laughs) And says, Peter, you're it. Let me tell you something. Whether we like it or not, or you get it or not, or we believe it or not, he's going to use you anyway if you'll just let him. Acts chapter 9, and this may be one of the most perplexing of all, because so much responsibility landed on this one guy, a guy named Saul, which, by the way, who in their right mind would ever name a little boy Saul in a Jewish family? Have you never read the story of what a disaster Saul in the Old Testament was? Don't name your kid Saul, and his parents name him Saul. That's a problem from the start. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, meaning Christians, followers of Christ, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You say, well, he wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting his people. You persecute his peeps, you're persecuting him. You go after a Christian, you went after the man. And Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Down to verse 13. Then Ananias, the Lord had spoken to him and said, this guy's coming, trust me, take him in, I'll tell you what to do. Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a what? Chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Chosen. Now let me tell you straight up, there's this whole scriptural thing about predestination. I can read you the verses. I do not have a clue what they mean. I don't get it. Some days I think it's not fair. And does that mean God picks some people and he doesn't pick others? And do we really have a choice? It's this really bizarre concept that I, in my finite mind as a human being, I can't get my arms around. But you know what? It's just true. And somehow I got no explanation. Gosh, I got two thoughts going here. Let me. Let me come back to that. I'll come back to that. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, look at that step of faith, calls him brother off the bat. I trust what Jesus has said to me. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the son of God, then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest?" Now go to Romans chapter five, verse eight. Some of you know this by heart. Let me get into this thing. And this is that thought I had a minute ago that I'm tracking now. Romans 5, eight, pretty simple verse. Go read everything around it. Back to Genesis one to Revelation. That would be everything around it. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, Jesus died a couple thousand years ago. There was no us, but yet there was because he knew we were coming. He knew you would be born. He knew everything about you before you ever got here and chose you in Christ. get we'll us read another one. Ephesians chapter 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Enough of me trying to say it. Let's let the book say it. Ephesians 1 verse 3. I'll look at this and if you underline, you feel comfortable underlining stuff, this would be good stuff to underline. And this is Paul, the Saul guy, his name had gotten changed to Paul, and now he's used of God to write these letters and try to help people and encourage people. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, You go back and read John chapter 1. You go back and read Genesis chapter 1. There is something that happens. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was God. The Word was with God. Jesus literally speaks and stuff appears, ex nihilo, out of nothing. You have to create nothing to make something out of nothing. Jesus speaks and stuff appears. I'm talking galaxies, billions of stars. That's where the foundation of the world gets poured. It's happened. The book says before any of that, before there was anything even called time, because time is a created element, before there is even time, a deal was cut and they said, we're going to pick before we even make a planet for them to live on and before they're ever born and before Jesus lives and dies and is buried from the dead, we pick them already. We're going to use them anyway. That's how it's going to happen you got a God picking you, deciding to use you. and You're not even here yet. So what's your excuse? This guy, Paul, go back and read the story about Paul. When Stephen got stoned to death and said, I see Jesus standing. Man, they started hurling rocks. He's over. He is holding their cloaks while they stone Stephen. That's where Saul had been. A complete disaster. And God picks him anyway and uses him anyway. Verse 4 again, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. It's like, okay, this baby hasn't even been born yet, but when it's born, I'm going to adopt it. That's it. I'll adopt all those babies. We haven't even seen them yet. It doesn't matter. We don't know if they're boy or girl. It doesn't matter. i pick them anyway. I'll use them anyway. They'll be mine. That's settled predestined to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. You know what? And God did all this for himself. We just get blessed by it, but he did it because it made him feel better his good pleasure. And we're just the beneficiaries. Before Richard comes back
0: to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, Talks.com.
1: And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Now there's one other person I want to mention before we shut down today, and the other person is you. You know who you are, I know who I am, and he blesses us anyway. I can almost guarantee I am not pushing this on you or me. I'm not hoping this for us, but there is almost a 100% probability that everyone listening to me right now within the next seven days will sin. Pretty good chance, correct? Now, if that presupposition is accurate and there's an allowance for that, then within the next seven days, if you just don't jump way off the deep end and do something completely stupid, you know, that there's no coming back from, which by the way, it's hard to pull that off, you are going to do whatever it is you're going to do, and then you're going to repent, and you're going to come back and confess your sin and go, God, I'm sorry, use me anyway. We have already decided without even knowing it that we are going to presuppose the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God and we haven't even come up with the thing we're going to do yet. How many of you have a good idea though? Raise your hand. (laughs) The honest hands went up. See, until you get off this planet, Jesus comes back or you die, the tragedy is most of us know pretty much what the struggle will be to the finish line, don't we? that sin that so easily besets us that we have such a hard time laying aside. And yet here you sit, listening to me. You know why? Because you believe he's gonna use you anyway. Because that's who he is, that's how he works. Thanks for listening today to
0: Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talks from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD, or Talks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.